Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another sunny day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Stephen Cook, Managing Director of the Tool Academy, a company that satisfies all one's tools' needs, from clothing to equipment. Stephen, hello. Good morning, Matthew. Good morning. Thank you for coming on the program today. Now, normally we, could, normally we get straight into the subject of leadership, but considering the ongoing COVID outbreak, we should start there. How has this affected your operations? We've had a mixed bag, really, to tell you the truth, because we've got several sides to the company. Um, the Tool Academy, which is an on-sales, uh, online sales uh, forum, we have found sales have increased dramatically, uh, over 300% of on sales. Our fixed auto uh, crash centre, that dropped off the edge of the earth overnight, obviously with insurance companies, and we received no notifications of work. Um, and the garage side, which is the repair side of the business, that took a little check back and then slowly, gradually picked up. Um, so really, we had a mixed bag in the sense of we were okay, but it's obviously it slowed us down an awful lot. And let's talk a bit about uh, the positives that have come out of uh, the current situation. Now, uh, each week on the podcast, we'd like to touch on a topical issue. In this one, uh, we're trying to find the silver lining to what has been an enormously dark and dense cloud. So can you tell us about any positives you or your organization have managed to take from the past few months? I think what was heartening, we, we, we haven't furloughed anybody. We've, we've continued to work all the way through. Um, and although, as I said, you know, the, the, the body shop side of the business was very, very slow and the garage was, uh, was, was slowish. Um, we were able to take some of the staff from uh, those two uh, departments, put them with the Tool Academy, who we were extremely busy, and it kept everybody in work. And I think the attitude of the staff was tremendous to, to, to adapt to, to, to a different job. Um, I found that suppliers, um, I think it's only my opinion, but I think that they, they closed too early. Um, I think that we could have phased it a little bit better than we did. We found that um, uh, to get parts was difficult, but some people stayed open and they went that extra mile um, to get the stuff to us on time. Toyota, who we are, uh, got a manufacturer's approval for, they kept their main warehouse open and they were extremely good um, at getting parts to us the next day. Um, I think the way that finance companies, the government, uh, who've been very quick to help the insurance companies have been extremely helpful um, because the work has slowed off. Um, I think all in all, I think a little bit of a rallying by everybody, um, and it gives you that bit of confidence to, to that you know, everything in the world's not all bad. They are, we've still got that mentality to help each other when the chips are down. Absolutely, and that's such an important thing to realize that we still have that glue that binds us together as a society. Uh, we should move on to the subject of leadership. 
I always like to start this part of the conversation off by asking the same simple question. What does the word leader mean to you? Um, we've got a, a, a little saying within the business. Uh, it's very simple, but I think it's true of any business that if we can communicate, educate, and motivate, we find that 90% of, of, of the job's done. Um, a leader, whether it be at a top level or a manager or a, a workshop controller, needs to be confident. They need to show that confidence and need to be decisive. Um, there has to be some understanding of and tolerance of people. Not everybody's the same. We're all individuals. Um, unfortunately, I started work in 1966. And what was acceptable in 1966 certainly won't be acceptable in today's climate. Um, and people's attitude towards work has changed. Um, and there is a little bit more... Um, there's more need now for uh, an understanding of what we're all trying to achieve, what the individuals are trying to achieve, not only in the work life, but in the, in, in the, in the private life as well. We have people that work for us that are motivated by money. We have a lot of people that aren't motivated by money, but are motivated by turning out good work and giving a third day's work for a third day's pay. So I think that's, it's important that, that when we work with people, Yes, we need to. The business needs to, to 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 come first in lots of ways, but we have to work together, and that work together again, and it brings it back to again to to communication, education, and to, to motivation. It, it always comes back to those three items. Now, of course, uh, leadership comes in many different forms. How would you describe your personal leadership style on a day to day basis? Bit off the wall, I think. Honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm certainly not stereotyped to where I sit behind a big desk and you know I'm I'm, I'm figure orientated. Um, I'm extremely lucky. I've had some staff here over 30 years. I've got many staff in here 15 to 20 years. Um, big learning curve. Um, I used to deal with everything. Um, always came back to me, you know, whether they wanted to buy toilet rolls or we go out and buy a new building. It, it seemed to everything revolve around myself. We had uh, a couple of consultants in, uh, a growth consultant that uh, that was extremely helpful. And when at a time when we were probably, I was probably floundering a little bit on where to go. He guided us in, in the right direction, and we formed a, a management team, uh, and that's been very successful. Um, just because you're good at job doesn't mean particularly that you're going to make a good manager. Um, and I work close with the people. Um, I, I walk around the place. I, I, I check. I do spot checks to make sure that the quality control is uh, okay. My name's still above the door at the end of the day. That's what it's all about, is giving people value for money and making sure that we can go home at night knowing that we've left the business in a good state. Hmm. And what would you say is the most challenging aspect of leadership? 
to be truthful, he's got my staff, um, staff and customers, <laughs> um, people's expectations as a customer are far greater now than they've ever been, particularly in our industry. Um, we're measured in so many different ways, um, from key to key times to overall cycle times. Um, that puts an added pressure upon uh, not only the business, but the staff to, to ensure that uh, the job goes out on time. Um, as I said before, staff issues, um, we, we, we've actually employed uh, a consultant, an HR consultant, um, that has taken away quite a, a, a bit of stress from the business because as a professional, they deal with it for us. Um, we've had ment uh, we've got a mentor that comes in for the younger people or, or the newly started people, the apprentices. Um, he keeps tabs on making sure that you know we're treating them fairly. They're happy here. Is any aspect of the job that they're not happy with, and how can we how can we make it their development better? Um, so there's, a, there's an awful lot goes into that um, to ensure that the, the place tries to run as smooth as it can. Now, unfortunately, our time together is beginning to wane. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for the Tool Academy? For the Tool Academy, uh, I think as we are at the present, um, it looks good. Um Sales are, are, are increasing on a daily basis, um, and I'm hopeful that um, it continues. Um, the accident management side, I think we're in for a bit of a rough time. I don't think that's quite so clear. Um, whatever we've got um, people whose jobs are at risk, um, and obviously we've got excess payments for any insurance work that's, that's done and, and people whether they can afford to do that uh, whether we get the volume of work back again that we were we were having before the lockdown uh, I don't think that'll come uh, within the next 12 months I think we've got a, a 12 months hard work there and the repair side which is which is more local to us for the, for, for the garage um, I think that'll be okay so all in all I think there's a lot depends on where we go with uh, pandemic, whether we, we, we can control it. Um, and then the, the, also the big worry, as I can see it, is that there will be lots of places that will make redundancies and, we'll, and there'll be some closures. So that is a major worry to, to, from our point of view. But all in all, uh, I think the company will survive and I think uh, you know we, we'll, we'll be okay. Well, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on the program today. It's been a pleasure having you here. Um, now, uh, we must have you back on when things get back to normal. But for now, Stephen, thank you. Thank you very much, Matthew. Thanks for having me. That was Stephen Cook, Managing Director of the Tool Academy. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. 
But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me, realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, had one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where... Um, so Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're, you're very... Fortunate, I think you, you you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and uh, a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course uh, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at. West Ham uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players, and of course they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably. Well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, mm-hmm. again, extremely fortunate to play with the, the captain. Um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier he played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy in the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. 
and it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And, um, uh, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, playing came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time at maybe overly strict by the time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn suit and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had the, the impact of thinking I 
at that stage, I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Green's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out now. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Alf showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about twenty minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal and I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now, but it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, 
three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, um, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I had a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but then I again, found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did... Uh, um, but then again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of the fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with... Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. Their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just 
luck. That's absolutely the show. He'd be the best example, of course, in in football terms today. Uh, Easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example. But Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing. Astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, well, the, the answer, straightforward answer is yes. Um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath, and there was nobody. And I've going back from an earlier earlier question for me: the um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together all those years later. It didn't just finish. After '66, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and, when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding, and I think that was. A big part, I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players, you... we have some great players, of course. But without the attitude <laughs> alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it. Yes, the word, the, word is showed... the, word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. Uh, together, everyone achieves more, and that—that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking—if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, 
what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job, um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. If you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, wait, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you completely focus. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go with the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.